Hello everyone and welcome to this special podcast recorded at Auscert's 2014 conference on the Gold Coast. I'm Patrick Gray. Big thanks to our coverage sponsors, FireEye, Arbor Networks and Datacom TSS. Uh, they got together and uh, sponsored the Risky Business coverage of Auscert 2014. And on the final day of Auscert last week, delegates were treated to a fascinating talk by Dr. Jason Fox, gamification expert and the author of the book, The Game Changer. Jason's expertise is in finding out how to take the motivational aspects of games and apply them to work processes. We all know that sitting your staff down in a dimly lit auditorium to lecture them on spearfishing does precisely zero to change user behaviour. But what if you made the hunt for spearfishing messages a game? I sat down with Jason Fox after his presentation and recorded this interview. And keep listening at the end because I've included a note based on a conversation I had with him. Here's Jason Fox recapping his presentation. I guess the talk was largely on motivation, strategy and design. And this is all about taking a different approach to how we motivate and influence human behaviour. There's a lot of fluff and folklore out there when it comes to motivation. A lot of it's focused on internal stuff. You're uh, Tony Robbins, as you said before. You're Tony Robbins. Big fist teeth, pumping and fist big pumping teeth. Rah, yeah. rah, and hot coals and attitudes and you just need to believe and you'll be able to achieve. Um, and that can sometimes work phenomenally well. It can be transformational if you have a one-on-one -on -one coach experience. But in most instances, this stuff fails to scale um, and if we're looking at changing the behavior of people within organizations or customers on a large scale we need something more sophisticated so what we have on the other side of things is your extrinsic motivation elements this is uh, this was this came from um, the factory era where managers want to get it to get more productivity out of their staff and it works fine you know if you want to get more performance you pay more uh, and this works for formulaic tasks with predictable outcomes um, that are fairly routine but it's not going to serve us for this future of work that we're moving to that's much more agile much more creative and collaborative uh, in, in the work that we require so then there's this third space and it's, this is just framed by constructive discontent the process of moving forward that's what academics call you know goal setting constructive discontent you're in one space you've got this design future the gap in between where you are and wherever you want to be is always filled with work to achieve anything meaningful it takes work to do and instead of just going internal or, or just dangling a new carrot the opportunity is how do we design this work to make work inherently motivating and so the talk was largely on that um, I did a PhD in this stuff um, but while doing the PhD found myself playing video games and realizing that a lot of the classic tools that we have just don't really serve anywhere near as what we're seeing uh, in well-designed games because well-designed games involve you know a massive element of work uh, you know something like I think you mentioned earlier World of Warcraft stuff mm. like that they're incredibly complicated they require dedication people are motivated they want to level up they want to get their little magic cloaks mm. or whatever it is they want to do uh, so I mean can you actually apply the lessons from these mm. types of you know game processes to work processes do they translate because I imagine there's a few people out there saying you know how, how, how can you take that and inject it into work yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a bit of a philosophical shift here. Um, if we look at the definition of games, it's simply the interplay of goals, rules and feedback. Whether it's a board game, sport game, video game, any type of game, goals, rules, feedback. A good game is a goal-driven, challenge-intense and feedback-rich experience geared towards making progress. And that progress piece is a key thing. Like with, with all these things, yeah, there are the 
frothing gamification evangelists out there that'll say that you can turn make work amazingly fun overnight and just add points and badges and leaderboards. And I'd be a bit skeptical about that. We need to start with functional before we consider fun to be an element that we work on here. But there are ways, if, if we just recognize that work is already a game to start off with, it might not be a good game, uh, but there are goals, rules, and feedback in the work that we do. Then we have the opportunity to tweak these elements, to iterate and play test new interventions to see what might work. So, so it's not necessarily about you know making work a game, but perhaps using the reward structures that are built into games to as motivators. Reward structures, potentially. Um, there's also a distinction from reward structures, and that's, that's just meaningful feedback on, 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 how, on progress. Um, this visibility of progress piece so is the breakthrough idea from the Harvard Business Review in 2010, uh, how uh, when people get a clear sense of progress, they're more likely to continue to, to invest effort into things. Games do this incredibly well. Um, you have a clear sense of progress. They're also good at calibrating challenge. So they're making sure that you're not working in stuff that's so mundane for your skills level that you're bored and disengaged and also not so epically challenging that you're anxious and avoiding the work there's a way of leveling up and choosing the right challenge for the levels and allowing you you know to calibrate your own mastery and progression on this so there, there are opportunities in this rewards are a part of it but there's also the the progress visibility there's there's the there's the rules there's also the narrative piece the story that we have companies that use agile methodologies quite well are kind of you know iterating good game design in the work that they do anyway and and, and establishing short sprints contextualizing that into a bigger game plan it it can work phenomenally well for motivation but um, the thing is that this this game design approach is a new lens to look at it it's not all the answers it's not a magical solutions it's a new approach a, a new lens to look at it Game design correlates science very, with science very easily. You know, scientists would conduct experiments. Game designers play test, and um, through that you can play test different elements to see what works to sustain or influence motivation and behaviour. And if it works, you can consolidate that and build that. If it doesn't work, then you go back to the drawing board. And can you give us some sort of concrete examples of where this approach has been used? You know, with, with a good outcome, a measurable outcome. Um, on a on a broader scale, um, there's the uh, what I mentioned before, uh, in my presentation. Uh, there's this concept of speed camera lottery, which is this is not. Yeah, I like work. this. Yeah, this yeah. is uh, please please tell us. Sure, it's uh, it's, uh, it's Volkswagen's fun theory where they that sponsored dif- different creative ideas and tested this out in an Eastern European city. The, the premise is in this particular area, if you're speeding, your photo will be taken and of your license plate, and you'll be sent an infringement notice. But if you're obeying the law, your photo will also be taken and you'll be entered into a pot to win some of that infringement notice money from, collected from the day. So essentially it means that if you're driving safely, there's an added incentive and a tighter feedback loop that you may just win some money out of this. And that was shown to actually reduce speeds in that area. If, looking at this, you know what we're seeing here is visibility of progress, um, short-circuited feedback loop. It's, it's kind of a meaningful context for people to work and play in. Uh, this can't always apply, though. Work is a little bit trickier. But some of the well, well, there was a good example that you showed, which was more for for people rather than you know to be used in organisations, which was this thing that turned you know sort of gamified email. Mm. So you had like a little frowning thing when you haven't mm. been replying and reading your messages, and you know the goal of the game is to make your your inbox happy, which is you know I don't know it looked like it could be fun for the right person. 
Yeah, exactly. If, if email is a problem for you, and my guess is it is, uh, I'm talking to the listeners here, gosh, it is for me in my world, um, then achieving inbox zero is a worthy goal, but it may seem like a bit of an epic quest. There's this game out there called the email game, emailga.me, um, if you put that into your browser. And what it does is it allocates points to quick email responses. So if you're looking to get through your inbox and process emails quickly, it'll do that. If you take too long, there's a face that gets unhappy, you get your stats, you actually get real uh, meaningful feedback in your stats. Every session you do, you get compared to your average session, you also like, the it's average. It's like email Tamagotchi. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And so if you want to become an, uh, an email master, like a, a ninja at email, this is, this is a good game to actually get you up to that point where you're just fast. <laughs> You know. Well, you know, one of the problems we face in security is that user education in terms of don't click bad links and, you know, mm. be very careful and all of that. It's been actually proven academically that user education doesn't work. Right. Uh, but, you know, we've had some very smart people come along with some great ideas. One of them, uh, Haroon Mir, put together a, a, a site called Fish, uh, Fish 5, mm. which means you can fish your own organization in five minutes. And uh, they, they've sort of gamified that. Well, their customers have. So they actually send their internal users dodgy links. And, you know, if you report receiving one of these, which looks like, you know, a very legit email, but it's, you know, it could be a shifty one. If you report one of them to the security team, you know, you get points. Uh, if you report one that's come in from an external source that's a legitimate attack, you know, you get even more points. And I think the idea is you can have prizes. Uh, you know, hey, you get, you get to take the afternoon off or here's a bottle of wine or whatever it is. It doesn't need to be a big reward. What they found is when you turn that into more of a game, people really respond to it and you've done much more to influence their behaviour than by making them sit in a you know, auditorium and telling them not to click on things. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that concept. It's, it's creating visibility around a really important activity that would otherwise get lost in, in the organization. My, my concern sometimes is that the, the novelty of the rewards can kind of wear off over time. Um, winning a bottle of wine or a movie ticket or something like that is, is wonderful. But the opportunity there, what I, what, we need to make sure that we're including a human element in this. So if you're having one champion who's just, just spotting these things and reporting it and all that, Let's just not default to the tick box of a reward. Let's actually build some space for, you know, a, a something meaningful out of this. For them, it might be, you know, inviting them to, you know, to breakfast with the, some of the senior executives and just having a chat and, you know, and them having an opportunity to talk about what they're seeing and why, you know, why they're so good at it spotting these things it might be a ticket to a concert that they like or something that's actually relevant for them rewards are one of those things that work powerfully well but sometimes they work so well that they narrow focus and, and behavior which is which is a good thing but they can also be very tokenistic that people begin to ignore them they become an a, almost a sense of entitlement attached to it well and i can imagine in this instance that there would be people who would become very very good at it and they would mm. they would leap on it to get the i want that bottle yeah. of wine and not really give anyone else a chance because they're too busy doing their actual work or or potentially it might not even need the bottle of wine or any reward attached to it if there's visibility around who is actually slaying these um these fishing you know these these things um, early like that could be a reward in and of itself like there could be another part of it as a recognition piece where at the you know half annual or quarterly event you know the champions are kind of paraded that, that are protecting the, the organization from from these things so there's a whole bunch of ways that we can reward and, and give people that feedback um, I guess the key thing here is not to default to it and if we zoom back it's a, such a phenomenal example it's an example of here's an important thing that otherwise wouldn't get done if we didn't have some sort of um, support structures around it or some ways to influence the motivation 
motivation or, and create the visibility of, of how this effort is meaningful. Um, so a game layer over that is a great example. So where does this work best? Does it work best with lower skilled workers? Does it work best with higher skilled workers? I mean, where, where do you mostly see applications for this gamification of management and motivation? Um, I, I personally, I don't tend to do. Uh, I'm, I don't tend to do so well in the one size fits all. But that, there are some great applications out there that can work one size for many. It's not going to work for everyone, and that can work very well. The rewards thing works very well for those tasks that you have to do with a fair level of repetition, or they are inherently unmotivating. So if you're looking at um, tra- looking for bugs in code or something like that, or finding crap firewall rules that yeah, someone put there a year yeah. ago. If it's you know, if you've got certain skills and you've got this mundane you know, task that's just may feel like it's beneath you. Um, having some parameters, kind of like the email game. Let's crunch. Let's focus the time here. Give good feedback around it, and then you know. So, so it works best for mindless tasks. I mean, that would make sense if you can actually wrap some motivation around doing something that you just hate to do. Yeah, there is that component, but then there's a whole other world, and that's a lot fuzzier. It's less, less quantitative, and that's for the more strategic, creative, collaborative stuff. That's where we're looking at more about playing with narrative context and setting up missions and quests for teams, and uh, really putting a different frame around this this work. If it's pioneering innovation work, it may be you know non-linear and fraught with failure, but with the right game design around it, you, you can think of that. Like anyone that's done an innovation hack day or something like the hackathon for over 48 hours, that in a way is a type of game. Different rules are being put aside. All the friction that normally gets in the way of collaboration is is removed. People, the right people, a diverse group of people in a room for over you know 24 hours working together to solve a really difficult challenge that otherwise they wouldn't get to. I, I mean, you've mentioned sprints earlier as well. It seems that maybe uh, you know game, this sort of game stuff is best uh, done periodically and not necessarily ingrained into everyday activities. Yeah, I mean. Perpetually, we need to work in iteration with these things. There's no going to be, there's no magical solution that's going to stay the magical solution for a long time. So I think game design, some of the some of the conferences that I've been speaking at and some of the leaders that I've been working with, the mantra that they're saying in their organisation is not "we need to innovate," which is fairly old news, but still happens a lot. That they're saying is "change is the new normal." And they're trying to embed this acceptance that things are going to be changing and continue to change faster. Agile knows this, and Agile does this incredibly well. And I think it's the same with any solutions that we create with game design. We need to make sure that it's always, you know, is this serving the actual inherent motivation of the people working for this? Is this helping us to make meaningful progress? Or is this simply helping us to get more efficient at stuff that's not necessarily the effective work that we need to be focused on? Now, it seems, you know, software development is one area where you can see the obvious ap- applications for mm. this. You've mentioned agile processes a few mm. times, and yeah, I, it absolutely makes sense, and that is quite relevant to security. Can you think of un- any other areas where this might directly apply to, the, to, to this field? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I feel that software developers kind of lead in this space. The new frontier of, uh, of motivation and leadership is going to come from the software world um, with the way the world is changing. But what we're seeing is this approach, um, gameful design, um, uh, games-based learning is happening a lot in schools. Um, it's a wonderful school called Quest to Learn in um, in USA, which is built around entirely around game design. Um, in games, there's this thing called uh, Easter eggs, little things that you discover by searching around. 
Uh, and some of these schools, this is a primary school example, students, they all have their own character profiles where they can level up and get experience points and they can take as many exams as they want and fail as many times as they want. But once they get their high score, it goes up and they get their different strengths. And if they're exploring in the library after school hours, they may stumble across an Easter egg, a special quest, which is essentially homework, but it's a special Easter egg quest, which they, they, they actually do with relish because here's an opportunity to add some points to my profile and kind of learn in that sense. And this, uh, there's a new paradigm like that for in education, for example. And this, this is happening um, in different forms in a lot of different industries. Some of the best examples of gamification, though, right now, probably wouldn't call themselves gamification. It's just good motivation design where people's efforts have you know, some visibility of progress, the challenge is calibrated for where they're at, there's a sense of mastery, a sense of purpose, a clear sense of progress, there's autonomy in the work that they're doing, and that is probably good game design. Jason Fox, the book is called Game Changer. Thank you very much for joining us. Cheers, thank you. Dr. Jason Fox there. Now, I did speak to him for a short time after the interview, specifically about the idea of uh, giving away prizes for finding fishing attempts, for example. Uh, He didn't like the idea of movie tickets and bottles of wine and things like that, Uh, but when I suggested prizes might be uh, like a little bit more fun, more in the order of uh, getting a chance to dunk your boss uh, or an executive of your choice, or challenging your boss to a two-player game of Street Fighter or Ping Pong. Uh, You know, he said that would work a lot better. It's about tapping into the human side of it, the human part of it, uh, tapping into that sense of playfulness. Now, if any of you out there wind up using some of these techniques, uh, I'd love to hear about it. But uh, for now, that's all from me. 